Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining Knights in the Breach, your bi-weekly podcast chronicling the people and events around the 740 from a faith-based perspective. This week, we'll be talking to Randy Tipple. But before we get to Randy, Alan is going to read a special statement from our council concerning the status of St. Mark Parish. Hello, all. Some time ago, Council 15447 issued a bulletin announcement concerning the future of St. Mark Parish, as well as St. Mark Council 15447 of the Knights of Columbus. As we now know, our parish will be suppressed on April 30th, 2024, and we will become members of the Basilica of St. Mary of the Assumption. Change can be a very hard and painful thing to accept, especially after all these years. While we naturally feel a loss, that feeling in a way is a tribute to the spirit nurtured by our St. Mark family over the years. Let us work to keep that spirit of St. Mark alive as we go forward with our brothers and sisters of St. Mary. Would failing to do so not betray that spirit? Our task now should be to support and enhance our new family. Council 15447 has served the St. Mark Parish family since our founding in 2012. We will continue to serve the Catholic community of Lancaster and of St. Mary. As an active council, now is not the time to retreat and fold our proverbial tent and sulk off in bitterness. It is the time for all of us to stand and make an even bigger difference. Now is the time to do what we can for our blended parish. We of Council 15447 appeal to the council women of our community to consider joining the Emerald Ladies. And men who have thought about joining our order, taking that next step into membership, come join us. Well said, and thank you for that, Alan. Why don't you go ahead and tell everyone a little bit about Randy. Thank you, Mike. Lawrence Randall Tipple was born on January 14, 1957. He is a graduate of Burn Union High School in 1975. He worked as a millwright until his retirement uh, for 30 years. Um, is currently the music director of St. Mark Church, founder and coordinator of Bridges of St. Mark, and is a past Grand Knight of St. Mark Council 15447. Thanks again, Alan. Without any further ado, here's our conversation with Randy Tipple. And good morning, Randy. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Alan? So what's going on with Randy Tipple? Well, currently... Well, right now we are busy with uh, music ministry at St. Mark. Um, we've got a lot of work coming up with this merger with St. Mary, which is um, very exciting in my mind. Um, but we have choir coming up this Sunday. It's going to be exciting. So I've been working with that. And uh, so that's what's going on lately as far as what's keeping me very busy. Yeah, the music ministry side of things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you were born... Um, in Sugar Grove, right? Yes, before Pontius had his pilot's license. <laughs> um, were, were you musically inclined as a kid? Oh, yeah. And when I was a kid, I mean, we had piano at the house, an upright piano. And I would bang out tunes, you know, as I got a little bit older. Um, and we had a small house, and I drove my mother crazy because I would go over the same thing over and over and over again. But, uh, yeah, I would... Uh, Played and then in, uh, as I got into high school, I, I played, but mainly by ear. I didn't take lessons. Um, it was primarily by listening and uh, by, you know, I can, at this point, I can actually listen to a song pretty well and, and get it down. But uh, So did you uh, take part in the Burn Union choirs and all uh, that? Not the choir, believe it or not, but in the marching band. It was in, in the concert band, marching band, so that's my music background. It's not like I don't read notes. Right, sure. Um, uh, because reading notes is important, you know, but uh, at the same time, when generally, uh, most of the music I've ever learned has always, you know, been listening to a song and trying to get it down uh, pretty much by ear. So that's how I... So, you know, musically, I mean, I talked to... Uh, 
God bless her heart, super talented Sharon Sillick, St. Mary. Um, you know, when I, especially, in, even I spoke with uh, Father Eilerman and basically told them, you know, I am not music director at St. Mark because I'm qualified <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Um, uh, but, you know, I'm able to do it. Right. I, I can do a lot of administrative work to organize things. But, uh, you know, I'm not doing this because I'm a super artist or anything like that. Well, we think you are. <laughs> you are to us. Um, so you were born in 1957. Yeah. What, what were some of your musical influences kind of around that time, oh. right? We're talking... You know, the mid-60s, late-60s? Oh, yeah. Well, the music back in when early on, the most Im uh, the most impressive music to me was the Beatles. Okay, when the, sure. When the, when the Beatles came along, um, a lot of the music growing up, you know, before that was a lot of the country music. Yep. You know, a lot of people would listen to country music. My grandpa, uh, Glenn Kissler, he would, um, uh, he played fiddle. And so we always did have somewhat of a musical family. We used to do a lot of singing together back when we actually spent time together, you know. Yeah, right. And there was a lot of music going on. So Grandpa, he would uh, play the fiddle, and and uh, and you would see him up front, you know, a lot of times doing that kind of thing, you know, leading music and things like that. But it was um, the Beatles music was really something that I absolutely loved. You know, the Hey Jude and the Yesterday, All My Troubles Seem So Far Away. I loved that music. It was, it was still to this day. I think they were ahead of their time. Yep. You know, as far as their music is concerned. Yeah, as evidence is, two of them are still yeah. out there making music, right? Yeah. And the thing of it is, though, I, um, I, during the time I would play the piano, a lot of times I would just play, just to play the piano myself. You know, I would probably play my own stuff. And and there's a lot of music that I just don't know. Uh, my wife Carmen, she can. She can sing right along with so much music. You know, she'll be singing the words to all these songs. You know, like I have no idea those <laughs> words because I don't. I never paid attention to those. I suppose I yep. just. Um, but uh, yeah. so, what was it? Sounds like all was all of your family kind of in the Sugar Grove area. Your grandfather, uh, pretty much years, okay. years and years ago. But I'm saying, as far as like growing up. Uh, yeah, growing up. Yeah, growing up, they, we you know because uh, actually both of my grandmothers went to St. Mark. Oh wow, okay. Uh, so I had my grandma Lindsay and my grandma actually uh, my grandpa Tipple passed away many many years ago when my dad was a baby. So then my uh, grandmother remarried a Lindsay, and uh, so then but Grandma Kissler, Bertha Kissler, she's actually Bertha Kilbarger is her maiden name. Uh, she went to, um, came to St. Mark's. So whenever I spent the night with one of the grandmothers, you know, I would get to uh, come to St. Mark Mass, you know, yeah. quite a few years ago. You're, so your parents were Catholic, you were raised yeah, Catholic? Yeah, I was raised Catholic, uh, St. Saint Saint, Saint Joseph Catholic Church in, in Sugar Grove. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, you know, that's where I went to Burn Union High School. Yep. Um, or Burn Union School. I mean, it's interesting. I love that school because, crying out loud, you know, you know, most of the people that I graduated with are the very same people that I went to kindergarten with. So you would go through all these years, and so you're you're very related, yeah, to these people. You know, um, and heavily influenced um, by a lot of things. But we had a great class, a good um, a 1975 class. Uh, was a good gr group of people. That's pretty awesome. Pretty you still in contact with any of them? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get text messages from a lot of the guys that send me crazy things. Yeah, you know? <laughs> sure, sure. That's but, awesome. Uh, it, was a, it was a lot of fun uh, back in those days. Do you, do you have any memories growing up Catholic of going to church or oh, special yeah. holidays? What was well, that yeah. like? Well, you know, my year, of course, the same year, uh, Father uh, Steve Kryle from Logan, we went to the, he graduated in 1975. So all of us, have Deacon Frank Sullivan also uh, was there. So you had Deacon Frank Sullivan and myself and uh, Father Steve Kryle, and uh, we had a really nice group of Catholic kids right. growing up, you know, and I was so impressed. I, you know, and I say this so many times to so many people, uh, back in the early days of being Catholic, some of my favorite people were uh, Mr. and Mrs. Sullivan, Frank, Frank, Deacon Frank Sullivan's parents, um, you know, just their demeanor, you know, just their holiness of life. That's, you know, I wanted to emulate that, you know, forever. Um, uh, those were very influential people for me, you know, back in those days. They're kind of like, uh, I would say, anchors. Also, uh, Father Ed Kessler, 
Father Kessler in uh, St. Joseph Sugar Grove was very influential in my life. So, Randy, did you grow up actually in Sugar Grove or slightly out? Well, uh, we started out slightly outside on Horns Mill Road, and then we ended up moving, you know, built a house in Sugar Grove. And so, but uh, I wanted to make sure I, I touched on, you know, Father Kessler. I kind of disappointed him a little bit because uh, I was heavily influenced by, you know, I, I started going to prayer meetings outside of the Catholic Church and was heavily influenced by Protestant theology. When was this? Was like high school age? This was after high um, well, actually during high school, but then afterwards into my 20s, um, you know, I started, and I mean the power of this message of the gospel for one thing. Uh, you hear that beautiful, you know, handle of the gospel that they seem to have, you know, just really, really was impressive to me. So I was very enthused with that, and there for many years I left the Catholic Church because I knew more than all the Catholics did. Right. Ha ha, not just joking. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know you you end up as a young person thinking you're so smart and you've got it all figured out, and uh, uh, the the journey back to my faith was you know that's you know I'm getting ahead of myself, but the journey back later on in in life was something that was was a beautiful thing. And, uh, well, tell, I mean, tell us about it. What was your experience, you know, going to the Protestant churches, hearing those messages? Um, well, the, again, you know, it's the gospel, the same gospel, you know, so uh, I, I it has the power. We talk sometimes um, as far as people leaving the Catholic Church and going to Protestant churches, and it's, it's about, you know, the drums and the, oh, the yeah. guitars yeah. and the, the rock concert. Aspect. Well, but for you, wasn't that wasn't well? The case. I tell you, we had a youth group many, many years ago. It actually changed my life. I think that I think it changed the course of my life because it was a group of young people coming together. No adults, nothing organized. It wasn't like some adults went, "Well, now children, let's get together and let's sing this pretty song." You know, so it wasn't anything like that. Um, these young people came together and they would have about maybe two or three guitars, and we would sing scripture. And I remember so many scriptures because of the songs we sung. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. That's right out of scripture. Um, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Acts chapter 3. You know, so there's so many of, of those things. But also in the power of that praise and worship, in the, in the mix of you know, maybe, of course, I look back at those times. We had a huge misunderstanding, you know, of God. We didn't have it all figured out. But the sense of the Holy Spirit was powerful, very powerful. I mean, it was, um, you know, to think about it to this day had a huge influence in my life. So, um, it's, I don't know, it's kind of euphoric in some way yeah. or another, you know, where you're, because the scriptures are powerful. No matter who's handling them, uh, whether or not uh, you know you have someone who's Catholic or someone who's Protestant, when you bring out the scriptures and it brings out hope for people, um, it's powerful. So, Randy, it sounds like you were having a very good religious experience. Yeah. So, what was a catalyst that brought you back well, to the Catholic Church? Well, I. At the time, many years ago, I was going to the Assemblies of God Church. You know, went to several different churches. You know, uh, you pop here in and out of there. And uh, during that time, I was studying theology, actually theology. In there's a program I can't remember. Of course, it's been several years ago. I don't know if it's still there or not. I can't remember the name of Berean something possibly. But I was taking a lot of home study courses because when you're by the time you know I was married when I was 21 for crying out loud. We had you know, three kids come along, so you're not going to go to college. <laughs> it's like, right. You're going to work. <laughs> so it, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but anyways, it was, um, you know, when I began to study theology, it, it made a huge difference. And then as I grew a little bit older and I'm learning about the patristic fathers and learning about the, uh, the, uh, the history of the church and how it all came to be and why we all think the way we do and why does Catholics think the way they do about, you know, for instance, purgatory or the Blessed Virgin Mary or some of these other things. Um, you know, 
you just, you know, when you begin to study it in that form, um, I think it makes a huge, huge difference in, in your perspective. And that's one of the things I pray for more than anything is, is uh, Lord, help me to see beyond myself. Help me to see, yeah, I was raised in Sugar Grove, you know. Uh, we have a culture that, that dictates a lot of how we think, but how can I grow beyond that and see a perspective that's going to, to open up different vistas and different lenses that's going to allow me to see things uh, more clearly. So growing up in, in such a, uh, a Catholic family, when you start having these conversations or maybe moving away from the Catholic Church, what are your, what are your parents thinking? What are, what are your family members thinking? Well, you know, back in those days, and that's changing right now, thank God, but back in those days, the conversations... Um, you, know, you know, the questions weren't defended because of catechesis level right? pretty much back in those days. Um, um, because, you know, for instance, uh, you know, well, why do you pray to Mary, for heaven's sakes? You know, what, why, where is that in the Bible? You know, so you're, right. you're asking very fundamental questions that were not able to be answered because, you know, it was just, you know, not to, the fact that there wasn't the truth and it couldn't be answered. It was the fact that it wasn't answered uh, because people didn't know. You know, it was a very time of, huge time of ignorance. Is that why you're so passionate about adult faith formation oh, programs now? Absolutely. Because the thing of it is, if you know your faith, uh, it's, it's, it's more rich than people realize. People have no idea what they're sitting on. You know, especially if your experience is just going to Mass in the morning. Right. You go to Mass Sunday morning and you're singing the song. You go through the, here we do this every time. I get nothing out of it. Well, you know, you have no idea what you're sitting on. Because what you're sitting on is a huge history of saints, um, a huge history of truths and facts that, that makes, uh, that you have to learn and, and I think you have to learn it in a Catholic library. I don't think you're going to learn your, your Catholic faith in a Protestant library. Right. Um, I think one of the things that you, you said, it wasn't directly to me. We were doing jail ministry, and we're sitting oh. around with these men in this terrible situation. And as we were about to read the gospel, one thing you had said to them is, everybody all over the world is hearing and saying the same word today. Yeah. It's all the same. That's the liturgy the, of the hours, yeah. The, the liturgy, yeah. Yeah. Sacred the, liturgy, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty heavy and profound if it you is. actually stop to think about it. Yeah, I, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm getting back into the book. I, I purchased a book in 2002. It was uh, Spirit of the Liturgy, written by Ratzinger. And I repurchased a book that also had, uh, I think it's Romano Guardini in it, you know, um, about the spirit of the liturgy, and and then also yesterday I was into the catechism, re-familiarizing with me with the words of the liturgy and what it really is and the significance of the liturgy. Um, and that's why, well, you know, we're going to kind of get into this <clears throat> too, especially with Bridges of St. Mark, yep. you know. But when I became Catholic again, or re returned to the Catholic faith, you know, even then I didn't have a full understanding of what we were looking at. I actually talked to uh, Father Geiger. He was the priest at St. Joseph after, I think, Father Ed Kessler. And I talked to him about it, you know, many years as I returned. And I said, look, I'm not a pew sitter. I'm not just going to sit here and go to Mass every Sunday. I need something to eat. Yep. Give me something. And right away he, he uh, referred me to a, a book by Patrick Madrid. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah. I'm sure you can find it if you want. Um, and so the journey began back home to to familiarize myself again and to go more deeply into my Catholic faith that would solidify certain things. Because one of the things that I believe is, for instance, if I'm reading the Holy Scripture and if I'm studying my faith, I don't want the words to remain on the page. They have to enter my heart. They have to make the impression. It's not, you know, it's the, you know, the things that I do uh, for in the faith, the things that I do in my life, I want to do because it's my nature. And that nature has been formed by Christ Jesus. The nature, it's no longer me doing good works, so I go to heaven. 
You know, right. it's me doing those works automatically without thinking about them. Yep. It's part of my nature to respond in certain ways based upon the fact that the Holy Spirit's had that kind of an influence in my life. Then we become, I think, um, we become saints that way. And if I want to be a saint, I guess I start by doing. Right. But hopefully then eventually my doing is part of my nature to do. That makes sense? Yep, that makes sense. <laughs> um, and so you're going through this faith journey, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you're 21. Oh, yeah. You have some kids. You start working. Like, yeah. life is still happening as you're trying oh, yeah. to figure it out, right? Oh, yeah. So, uh, well, mind you, I'm a sinner. Mind you, you don't become a, you know, because I might turn my life over to Jesus Christ does not mean that, wham, automatically great. everything is great. And I can, you know, I can start living and not sin anymore and da-da-da. No. Right. <laughs> the opposite is true. Um, and that's why I think the Liturgy of the Hours, we, I don't want to miss the Liturgy of the Hours. Um, to, to go back into the years ago, my faith, actually my prayer life, depended upon my spiritual well-being. In other words, my prayer life, when I was really into the Word and the Spirit was flowing and... And I mean, I could just pray deeply and sense the Holy Spirit. But then when I would sin, I'd find myself in a bad spot. And, and you know, because of the weakness of the flesh, my, my prayer life just kind of took a nosedive for a while. And sometimes if you're, when you're young, I think you can take a nosedive for quite a while. And before you know it, you find yourself in a, in a spot where uh, you don't like yourself. Right. Because I remember years back, I would journal. And there was a lot of profound things that I would journal. But then I remember years later, I would go back, you know, of course, I would be in a different disposition. But I'd go back to that journal, and I'd read what I wrote back in those days. And I'm thinking, where did that guy go? Where'd he go? Yep. I got to get him back. <laughs> so, Randy, is this something that you kind of evolved by yourself, did family members kind of step in and say, "You know, Randy, <laughs> we don't recognize you anymore." No, I don't think so. Um, because the thing of it is, you know, we struggle with sin in our life. We struggle with promiscuity. We struggle with lust. We struggle with these things that obscure the light of Christ. You know that this is not right for you, uh, but it's not going to let you go, uh, go. <laughs> right? Because, you know. Uh, you know, uh, Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death, from the law of sin. The law being like gravity, what goes up will come down. It's a law. <laughs> well, the sin is the law, you know. But uh, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will set me free from the curse of the law, or, or set me free from the, the law of sin and death, should I say. Um Again, that whole experience of, of dying to the flesh is something that has to take place by the grace of God. And we have to allow those, uh, that time, uh, it takes time. Right. Right? Uh, but that's why I like the liturgy of the hours. I sort of, after so many years, I had a priest at St. Margaret of Cortona years ago talk to me about possibly getting into the liturgy of the hours. Excuse me. And the liturgy of the hours is a lot of the priests pray that prayer, and it's for laity also, but the liturgy of the hours is something I, I committed myself to, to pray um, despite where I was spiritually, to promise to pray and, and not necessarily have anything hinge upon my success spiritually or my failures spiritually. And so in that commitment... I was drawing myself back into the sacred liturgy, which I'm, I'm not sure if everyone understands what that is, but it's, uh, it's kind of hard to explain. But it goes, for instance, the liturgy, the liturgical year begins in uh, Advent. And then, of course, you have Lent, you have Easter, and the, and the cycle. Um, for instance, when I was in Vietnam I, with Bridges of St. Mark, Again, we would sit, and I would have nuns speaking in a completely different language, which I would not understand Vietnamese in any way, shape, or form. 
But when they were praying the Liturgy of the Hours, I knew exactly what they were doing because I could pray right along with them and know because around the world, the Catholic Church is saying the same Mass and the same prayers around the world. And that's that means a lot. Which we're on the somewhat of the same page. Beautiful. So you, you traveled a lot uh, for work, and you you started off you, most of your career. You were a millwright. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, thirty years. <laughs> What's a millwright, Randy? Millwright. <clears throat> well, I'm not saying I was very good millwright. Let me tell you. Oh my gosh! I, as a matter of fact, for the longest time, I didn't think, "Is this what I'm cut out to do?" But when you have a family, says, "Keep on." You are cut out. Sure. <laughs> You're cut out for it. Get out there. Yeah. <laughs> But a millwright, uh, I did a lot of work uh, as a millwright in Columbus local. Um, I worked in uh, Anheuser-Busch, uh, many times Honda Engineering. Okay. Worked in Honda quite a bit. Uh, worked out of town in Salem Nuclear Power Plant in New Jersey. Uh, Columbus Grave Vault. Back years ago was uh, Columbus Coated Fabrics. They don't have that there anymore. My father worked there. My grandfather oh, really? both worked at yeah. Columbus Coated Fabrics. Oh, wow, yeah. Yep. Filthy place. Absolutely terrible, terrible. My dad didn't stay filthy long. Filthy place. Yeah. It was absolutely filthy. But it was good good work. It wasn't bad kind of work. But uh, anyways, dirty, dirty, dirty. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, uh, there was a lot of, you know, um, a lot of work I did back in those days. I learned a lot. What do you do as a millwright, though? Well, uh, we, uh, for instance, if we were working, it depends on where we were. As a millwright, we would work on, uh, if we were at uh, Anheuser-Busch, we would... Actually, uh, they had these huge soakers that they would soak the uh, bottles in. And so you were dismantling the entire thing and putting in brand new guts in the whole thing, you know. Uh, you might work on conveyor belts, conveyor systems, monorail systems um, in, in, in industry. I worked at uh, the can plant uh, um, that, uh, you know, you would, they would, stamp out all the cans, beer cans, pop cans, you know, worked in that. So um, you basically constructed and probably did a lot of destructive Oh, yeah, we did a lot of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you weld, you you, you burn with torch, you're, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, power equipment going on. You know, when I worked at Honda Engineering, then later after I retired, um, you know, I just managed a lot of, of work. Um, more than anything. I mean, of course, there was a lot of work going on. So I, you know, it's not that I didn't do any work, but a lot of it was just managing the the uh, work that was going on out of town. For instance, if we work in uh, Solaya, Mexico, or Canada, or Alabama, you so know, you've been around things. quite a bit. You've yeah. traveled all over the country. Well, pretty much. Yeah, not, you know, uh, and worked out of town quite a bit. How did that work in terms of like? Um, just just your faith life. Well, actually, it wasn't too bad because eventually, I you know again I started taking classes, uh, online classes. Still, you know when I worked, so uh, mainly you know I would take them on the sacraments or I might take them on the catechism or something like that. You can get them online, University of Dayton or Catholic Distance University also helped, and what that did was was a tool to keep me engaged even when I go back to the hotel. You know, you go back to the hotel, you've got some classes to do, so you're, you're, uh, you're busying yourself by reading or doing tests or, you know, essays and different things like that, which just kept, uh, kept me engaged learning the faith even when I was working. So, you know, it wasn't as bad, you know, the thing, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, you know, you're going to go crazy when you go out of town. Well, you know, if you're a crazy person, you will. <laughs> but I think the guys that I worked with were family people. You know, a lot of the guys that are, are good workers, that are reliable, are the ones with families. And they're not out to do crazy things. Right. And so, you know, even the guys I worked for, Atlas Industrial Contractors, um, uh, were family men, you know, so it was good. So, Randy, uh, you're one busy guy, or it sounded like you've been a very busy guy. Let's go back to your thought processes in creating the Bridges of St. Mark. Oh. Uh, and at some point, you find yourself on a plane traveling to <laughs> Vietnam. Uh, half a world around, the, or half 
around the world yeah. and uh, a country you've never been set foot in. <laughs> Uh, you don't really know anybody, the language or the culture. Right. I'm sure you had family members or just people that knew what was going on, and they'd walk up to you and... Are you nuts? Are you nuts? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's Are a you huge nuts? Are you nuts? Yes. Faith. Well, I didn't have to have other people tell me that because I figured out myself. I'll go back again to the liturgy of the hours a little bit um, because I had developed while I worked... This, I would get up, especially when I worked at Honda Engineering, you had to be at work by 6 o'clock, which meant that if I needed my prayer time, had to be, I got up at 4. Now, I could never do that. I'm 66 now. There's no way I could keep that up this day and age. But back in those days, I'd get to bed by 10, but I'd be up by 4 and be showered and dressed and downstairs in my oratory. I developed a prayer room where... And I have one now where I live now, but where I lived then, you know, you walk in and the crucifix was there and my Liturgy of the Hours book was there or whatever. And I would spend that half hour in prayer. So to say that now, you know, so that was kind of going on. I'm already staying connected, right? Um, then on one of my jobs, we were heading to Alabama. They had a Honda plant in Alabama. Uh, and that's where on the plane, or actually getting uh, my suitcases and everything on the, uh, the belt for the x-ray, there's a Catholic priest in front of me from Vietnam, a young Vietnamese priest. About what year was this, do you think? 2009. 2009. That's it. And so, but we weren't even on the same plane. So basically, by the time I get, my, get uh, through the security... He's already down sitting in front of his plane, uh, in front of where, where you call it? Where you, where, the boarding area. <laughs> the boarding area. Um, and so he's already sitting there. So I shook his hand and, and I met him briefly. And so we traded emails. Nice to see you. Bless your heart. Bye-bye. You know, so um, then months later, he emails me back and says, you know, because he was headed to Paris, I believe, in, in uh so, so, and I think via Florida, he was going to go to Florida, then on the Paris to study theology. I Paris think. and Alabama. You guys yeah, are what, two uh, opposite ends of the... Alabama there. and Paris. <laughs> yeah. Hello. But, uh, so, <laughs> anyway, so we go um, uh, on and finally get an email back from him. And fortunately, by that time, you know, we could actually get on Skype a little bit and kind of get to know each other a little bit. Um. Then he would ask me, you know, can you come to Vietnam to help? You know, can you help us out on anything, you know? Uh, so that's when I started talking to the diocese to find out who he is. Is he a priest? Is he who he says he is? And we were able to, they, they referred me to a Vietnamese Catholic priest here in Columbus. I won't mention his name because he don't want to be mentioned. <laughs> but... Um, he gave me the email address of the bishop over in Kentuck, which is south of Saigon. Um, and so then I, I was able to email him to find out, is he a priest, on and on, et cetera, et cetera. Come to find out, um, also that priest that gave me the email mentioned that he was related to the vicar that... Father Min, the Father Min is who I met, Father Nyung Kak Min. He is the one that I met, and his vicar at the uh, Raksuk Missionary Church in Kentu, um, uh, he, was, he was related to the vicar. As a matter of fact, when I was in Vietnam, they, the family was familiar with this Vietnamese Catholic priest in Columbus, so I thought that was kind of an interesting... Um, how does that happen? I meet this fellow, and he's related to the, to the people and the bishop referred me to. It's like kind of interesting. But, uh, you know, I suppose uh, then time went by because I didn't go to Vietnam. And, of course, I, I forget my dates a lot of times. So you met him in 2009. Are, were you – Yeah. Uh, I assume you were living in Marysville when you worked for Honda or no? No, I lived in Hilliard. Okay. All right. So, so still west. Hilliard, yeah. When did you move back to Lancaster? That came – 
this uh, area? 2014, I, I retired from Honda then. Gotcha, okay. And I, and I re, uh, came down here. My wife, <laughs> we were out to dinner. She says, Randy, next time this year, you are going to retire. And I had no idea because, I mean, I, you know, I had no plans to retire. I, I loved what I did. You know, it's a great job. But uh, she didn't realize <laughs> she didn't realize by you retiring, you'd be busier than when you were oh, working. Oh, my Lord. Well, yeah, I was busy then. I'm pretty busy now. Yeah. Uh, Sorry to, to derail you. So, <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, yeah, Bridges St. Mark. So uh, you verified who I verified the priest is. who they were. And then, um, uh, but a time went on because I then got to the place where I did not want to communicate with him anymore because I just thought, I don't have time for this. Uh, here I am. But at the same time, with me pushing it aside, at the same time doing the liturgy of the hours, praying the Lord use me, <laughs> praying God help me to be a man of God, praying the Holy Spirit fill me with his grace and mercy and all these things. And then I have a direct uh, direct question, or is it a question or, or you know, how, how would I say it? it would, uh, a direct well, question, would you come? Would you come? And uh, so that went on for quite a while. I mean, uh, and then finally, early, what was late, the later part of 2010, it's really bugging me because I haven't responded. So finally, I did respond in the later part of 2010, called him back, and finally I told him, okay, of course I talked to my wife first. Always. <laughs> and of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Carmen, say, Carmen, I can't stand it anymore. I have to respond somehow. And I can't believe she actually lived with this guy <laughs> that does this kind of thing. So anyway, I, uh, I responded to him. I called him back. We Skyped. And when I told him I'm coming over, I thought he was going to jump out of his shirt because he was so happy that I was coming to Vietnam. What was the expectation at this point when you're going to go over? What was the reason for the trip? Well, the expectation was what uh, the diocese missions office asked me to do is to go over, or didn't ask me, but it was one of the things that they, were, they, they suggested go and take pictures. Take a lot of pictures, um, see the need, because I didn't know what I was going to do over there. I really didn't. So you're getting on a plane having no idea, <laughs> right. except you're going yeah. to take some pictures. I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to meet these people. And uh, so this is where, you know, do I think I'm crazy? Well, here I am in the plane heading over, right? With your camera, hopefully. Well, somewhere yeah. On your oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, everything was done on the iPhone. Even the iPhone oh, was, okay. uh, you know, you could do all the videos on an iPhone really, really well. But um, I'm heading over. And you know how when you're in the airplane, you have a TV screen in front of you, right? Yep. The TV screen was off, and I was actually one of the first chairs on the right side of the plane, and I saw my reflection in the TV that was off. And I thought, how, how crazy are you? you? You are going across the world, and I'm not a millionaire. It's, it'd be like, you know, if I had, oh, I can help them with all my money I've gotten. It wasn't any of that. I don't have, you know, it's not like I've got, here, I'll just hand them a bunch of money and really help their soul, you know. And you get but, your thank you and everybody moves on. <laughs> yeah, we move on. Well, yeah. you, but you also had prayed through this for months and oh, months, right? Yeah. It's not like, yeah. you know. You, right. You, and, I, and I cover my bases. As a matter of fact, I, I spoke briefly to the bishop by phone before I went. I spoke to, and by the time I got there, or by the time I was planning the trip, actually, <clears throat> I was comfortable with, who I was going to meet over there. That's good. Because, you know, even, you know, wherever you go, like if I'm even in Puerto Rico, you know, you want to make sure you know somebody over there, or uh, especially Vietnam, you are not going to want to be over there without knowing somebody because, uh, you know, their communication from myself is right. terrible. Fortunately, Father Min could speak really good English. Father uh, Chate is his name. He was the vicar. We call him Father Francis. And... Uh, um, he could speak pretty good English. So there was some English speakers over there, thank God, outside of that. Brandon, you had to, I mean, the government over there is not exactly right. bending over for the no. Catholic Church. So 
Was no. there a lot of uh, kind of a give and take and, hey, I'm trying to come in yeah. and do this? And well, I think uh, at the very beginning, my first visit, uh, we were in probably a different hotel every night, I think. At first, I stayed in the rectory, but uh, in one of the rooms, they had a, a specific room you could stay, but at the same time, you needed permission for that. You know, in other words, if you came to my house and spent the night, you would need permission to come to my house and spend the night. Is uh, something so foreign to us. Uh, there was a celebration of Our Lady of Fatima in May, and the first—that's the first trip. And you know, I was basically told to stay in the room until it kind of got dark, and then come on out. But you know, because that'd be unnerving. Yeah. Well, you stick out like a sore thumb right, right there. Right. <laughs> I mean, you're the tallest guy around. Yep. And, uh, you know, you stick out. So you, you fly there, you get off the plane. Like, what happens next? Is, well, is the place that you're going to visit, what's the name of it again, the area? Oh, it's Kanto. Okay. So I would land in Saigon. Well, a couple of times I would land in Kanto, but there was, uh, Saigon was less expensive, so I'd okay. go there. Um, but my first trip, you know, lo and behold, there's father men and these students that were with them, and they talked my leg off all the way down that <laughs> thing, and uh, had all these questions. And it was such a wonderful trip to meet these beautiful, beautiful people. Uh, you know, you just fell in love with all of the, um, all of the people that, that you met over there. What was the initial need that you saw? Like, did anything stand oh, out right initially, away? Initially, one of the first things was the water. Okay. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, they had, for that, Our Lady of uh, Fatima uh, Festival, or whatever, they, whatever you want to call it, they had, um, they had to bring in bottled water, and they wagon full of, I've got a video of that, and, you know, the, they have all these stacks of bottled water. They're getting to the church for everyone. Um, but the water, you know, across the, across the uh, little path there, um, there were people swimming in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the drinking water. Well, not, I don't know if you would drink that water, but they would swim in this water. It's like, oh, my gosh, it was just, just very, very right. filthy. So that's really kind of one of the first things that came to my mind as far as what they needed. Now, there again, well, I learned quickly that, what our uh, sensitivities are toward those kind of things may not be their sensitivities, you know, because sure. when we think, well, we've got to help them with water, they're thinking, no, we got to get, you know, food or we got to get medicine or something to that effect. Or, and they try to, you know, and Father Men did a great job, but would try to direct me toward projects that, you know, would be other than, not, not against the water filtration part, but... There were other projects that needed to be taken care of. So, Randy, what was the population? I'm sure the little village, and I'm sure then the, oh. there was an outlying area. So, how many people are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about a huge community. Uh, now, this was in Kanta at the Rexuk Mission Church, which has changed now because there's a different priest there. <clears throat> but, and of course, I haven't been there for a few years myself. That church, you now Father Men ended up moving to a small village, but this particular church here would have thousands, and I'm not kidding you, every summer, thousands of kids would land on that campus, that church area, and they would have different classes for them. As a matter of fact, you know, when I was there, um, I think it was 2016 or something like that, oh, you've got to teach us English. Well, I'm not an English teacher. It doesn't matter. We want to hear you speak English, you know, so, but I would take a class, uh, and we would have a you know, conversation in English, but there were several things, kids coming from all around. Uh, and the, the prayer life, you know, I, I recorded some interesting uh, prayers as they pray the, the rosary or the, the divine mercy chaplet or something like that. There was a great, very highly spiritual Catholic community over there. So it isn't like, you know, uh, um, they don't have faith because, you know, especially I know, I'm more, you know, familiar with those in the South, but uh, yeah. there's a huge depth of faith uh, in the South. So after you, you finish your first trip, you come home, you're, you're sitting down with Carmen, you say, yeah, <laughs> here's what I think 
the next steps are? How, how does that the next step play out? Uh, I suppose the next step, I mean, that back in those times, well, first of all, it wasn't Bridges of St. Mark at the time because I didn't know what to do with it. Um, how I was going to deal with it. Is, am I going to create my own 501c3? Did I have time for that? Do I know how to do that? You know, um, And so I was really praying about where to, where to put it. And Go at ahead. this point, you still weren't quite sure which direction you wanted to go in. Right. How? What's, what's the Lord want? Well, you know, how am I going to? Well, cause it sounds like there were many, many needs. It wasn't just, hey, there's this right. one thing, fix oh, it, yeah. it'll be great. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of need. So, Poverty was, you know, great. I mean, you would, uh, um, you know, over here, everybody's got a street and a sidewalk, or most people do, at least. I mean, there are homeless here, uh, which is terrible. But uh, over there, you know, they would have a hut. You would go on a path and then go back another path and, and get off of your bike and walk across a log to get to a house to check out their <laughs> their biosand water filter that we would in, install or something to that effect. Or, so let, let's fast forward. How did it become Bridges St. Mark? Well, again, it's so funny because we were in the kitchen when I lived in Hilliard. And I was talking to Carmen about us. I'm praying, you know, like, what do I do? What am I, you know, I guess I'm at a, a, a point I can't go any further until I figure something out. And Carmen says, just let the Lord, you know, the Lord brought you this far. He's going to take care of it. And just like that, Paul Zorovnik called. I don't know if you know Paul. Uh, they live in New Lexington right now. Um, but he said, hey, you need to talk to Father Gideon. That's who you need to talk to. And so, okay. I uh, talked to Father Gideon, and he was all about, yes, let's do it here at St. Mark. And it was kind of one, one of those things, what is Bridges of St. Mark? What is it? it? Again, that's where we call it Bridges of St. Mark. You know? And so uh, you know, that's kind of how it got plugged into the church. But even before that, you know, i tell you one, one of the wonderful things that took place when we were in Hilliard. Um, and I think it was called Bridges of St. Mark. I'm not sure, but I think it was. But um, we had a, a lady and her husband had a son that was killed on an ATV. And so two years in a row, they had a 5K event in Hilliard um, that they would donate everything to Bridges of St. Mark. Two years in a row, we made $25,000 wow. from this event. And it was amazing. Um, you know, I don't know if I could, I, I haven't been able to match that at all. Of course, we're, we're in Lancaster now. And, and there again, I don't have the energy level for, you know, by now it's like, oh my gosh, all the work that it takes, you know. Uh, by the grace of God, now we have people that are donating on a regular basis, which really helps um, it's not like we're saving the entire world. I think one of the things that it does for a faith community is to allow them to not only uh, give to something, but they see what's happening. Uh, you know, uh, just recently we sent, um, within the last year or so, 15,000 to a, a church in Saint, or a, a Sisters of Notre Dame in Tanzania, which um, helped with water filled, water. Pump. I should mention all of this is on bridgesofstmark.org. Uh, you can go to that page and find uh, all the videos that Randy was talking about uh, from Vietnam, more information about everything that's going on with the Bridge of St. Mark, and most importantly, you can donate there. But Randy, maybe just uh, outline some of the projects that you've been involved with, how you helped Father Men, what happened with that relationship, where that's at today, and yeah. then some other things you've been into. Well, again, you know, right off the bat, we were concerned about water filtration um, and so we were introduced to um, uh, the biosand water filter which is basically a bucket of sand with gravel in the bottom uh, you can find this on the internet I'm sure it's uh, um, uh, we were sending actually the first shipment we sent a shipment of plastic they're like buckets you know kind of tall bucket and also we sent the sand and for I can't remember exactly how many we sent but it's in the it's in one of the blogs I guess 
But, you know, we were able to implement those biosand water filters and also teach them what they do. And so since then, we have really uh, tried to not only, if we weren't able to go to Vietnam directly and have these, you know, these projects, we could actually hire uh, a, a group from Cambodia who was able to come over and teach them why it's important to filter your water and how biosand water filtration works. Um, uh, so, but anyway, and, but we were doing a lot of different work also over there. You know, but biosand water filter to me is, or by, even any water filtration is important um, for those in other, other countries for their health. Um, but again, uh, one of the, we, we were able to do, like for instance, um, chapels. We built a couple chapels over there, bridges. There were funds that we sent, built bridges. I couldn't believe, you know, honestly, they, when you send funds like we did, um, just unbelievable what the money can do over there and you're also the whole time though you're being responsible you're, oh yeah you know, oh, you're getting pictures videos these yeah. projects are getting done you're impacting yes. people's lives on the ground oh yeah there is no right we don't there's no waste right the things that you know for one thing uh how bridges of saint mark is set up right now we have a bridges of saint mark team we are not a 501c3 we are a ministry of currently a ministry of saint mark catholic church which i have uh and uh, we have several people on that and uh, the team. So what we do is we assess basically the needs of, for instance, what was going on in Vietnam. Do we send funds for this new chapel? Da da da. On and on. Um, and then we would record the vote. I would send out a vote because we had to keep track of who said yes to do this. And it's all recorded as far as how much money goes over there. We have a Chase account, which I really love. Uh, was able to make a direct deposit into the account of the ministry that you're helping. So it's not going through uh, there's any... There's no middleman. There's no middleman. It yeah. goes directly there. And another beautiful thing about Bridges of St. Mark is that no one makes any money off of it. The, the only money that we pay would be for the Chase account that we, uh, that we maintain uh, and also... Uh, every time we make a transaction, there's a certain fee that you pay sure. for every wire that you do. But that is... There's no overhead. There's no overhead as far as, you know, I'm not making any money off of it. There's no, uh, uh, you know, there's no income being drawn off of it. Right. So it makes a, a full impact. Also, when it comes to the, the website, we have a nice website and... I know that I need to get back in there. So I'm going to have to get some help. So if you want to help me at Bridges of St. Mark, please let me know. <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, you know, that I forget what I was going to say. Well, you, you can Google Bridges of St. Mark. It'll yeah. come right up. Bridgesofstmark.org. Yeah. So, Randy, if I'm hearing this, it's kind of taking on a life of its own. I mean, yeah. you got, obviously, the ball rolling. And yeah. you've got a team together. Yeah. And now it's just... Yeah, I don't have to. It's not like I have to work, 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 work all the time for it. Because, again, you know, I don't send a lot of advertisements out. It's not like, hey, I need more money, need more money. You know, I, you know, I guess it's because I don't have time for that, honestly. But it's already by the, we allow certain funds to grow to a certain amount. So let's say currently we may have about $5,000 in, in the account. And, and as that grows, we don't let let it you know stay in there for very long before we're, our team gets together and we decide hey um, I know the sisters of Notre Dame might be talking about something else or uh, water with blessings is another thing they have a water filter that we help them with in uh, Haiti uh, a couple projects in Haiti yeah so Bridges St. Mark has expanded, right? It's not just Vietnam. Right. There's been work in Haiti. Right. You've assisted with the Kentucky tornadoes, the yes. disasters that happened yeah. there recently. The Ukraine uh, refugees going to Poland, um, which was helping, you know, yeah. uh, the Knights of Columbus do that. It's pr pretty incredible. 
yeah, it, um, it, how it far is. reaching yeah. it is from this little community of St. Yeah, Mark. it is. And the thing is, it's, you know, what we are able to, uh, you know, accumulate, um, which isn't millions of dollars. I'm kind of glad of that, you know, because, uh, again, you know, the Lord's blessed me with different talents and it's got me into a lot of different things and it's hard to continue to maintain everything. Uh, and so, you know, Bridges of St. Mark is going to, I, I'm going to have to figure out how to wrap, wrap it up in a sense to be able to, if that day comes, which, you know, the Lord's going to take me away one of these days into the great heaven, <laughs> how is this going to perpetuate? How can, and it's going to take the dream of a person. That's one of the things that I think a lot of people think that, well, if I have a committee, we can do this with the committee. Well, committees are good, but you have to have a lead person who believes in it. Otherwise, it's not going to sustain. And so what you have to pray for, who is that person who will pick this up, believe in it, and... Uh, so where is your relationship with Father Men? And um, are we still, are you still working with him? Yeah, well, basically Father Men, um, and it really created somewhat of a problem for him because, uh, and I'm not sure why, altogether. Uh, we, our last project was in 2019, where we finished a project in An Mai, uh, which is in the Sok Trang district. Uh, An Mai was evidently a church at the beginning. The chapel was destroyed, I guess, back Maybe it was during the French, when the French were left, or I, if I, you know, I'm not really sure. I can't, don't quote me on that. But uh, again, Father Men wanted to rebuild it and thought he had all the okay and everything to do that. So we built chapel. It's still in existence. They use it for a church, but Father Men was, you know, smacked on the hands pretty, um, you know, the bishop ended up telling him to stick to the sacraments, Stick to the sacraments, you know. So it kind of ended our pri our work over there uh, for for a while, quite a while. And what was so beautiful about that relationship is that we could actually go there. I mean, we're we actually could be feet on the ground and see a project. The one of the last time uh, Paul Sullivan, uh, parishioner here, and also on the Bridges of Saint Mark team, he and I was there in 2019. And, um, you know, we, we were into a, we were building uh, biosand water filters using concrete, which was a pain in the hind end, let me tell you. You know, any of these projects were not easy. Right. Uh, especially the one in, when the first time we did it, you know, the shipment didn't come through until, you know, oh my gosh, when's it coming through? Well, they, they got it through customs. Okay, that's cool. But... We got to give this guy a pack of cigarettes and so <laughs> a couple of other things for him to deliver it to us. And so uh, very interesting. But, you know, the, the projects were a really huge pain. So what we had to, we really tried to do was to then maybe the next year or whatever, try to create a time where the, our friends in, in Cambodia could come and teach them about biosand water filters and why it's important to filter your water. And they would talk about all of the, the bacteria and all the things. And they would have these beautiful cartoon images that be able to, to get that message across. Um, so, but then later on, when Paul Sullivan and I were there, that was another huge project of building them with concrete. And we had a team to do that. So that was, that was a lot of fun, but boy, a lot of work. A lot of work. A lot sure. of work. So most recently... Um, the Bridges of St. Mark have been doing work with the Sisters of Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that work. Well, we had, we've been praying about that. Again, like I was getting at with Bridges of St. Mark with uh, Vietnam was our relationship with them. We could actually go and see and keep tabs on and keep videos, send us pictures, you know. And so that was a great relationship um, but then who do we have that relationship with then again? You know, I mean, if I Because send, the government essentially stepped in, yeah, right, and stopped, your, stopped and, your work. And the bishop had to do something, in, too. In Vietnam, so, sure. Yeah, so it kind of, you know, halted that a little bit. Now, I'm still welcome to go there. I mean, Father, Father Men and I, we communicate on somewhat of a regular basis That's great. still. And uh, he still wants me to go back, you know, so one of these days maybe I'll take a trip and go see him again. 
But uh, so where am I going to have that relationship again? You know, where, you know, I know this particular priest, where I know these particular people and can help, which would provide uh, a good way of ministry here in, you know, the United States. It would allow us to practice our faith and work in such a way that and see the results. But um, so, uh, but the Sisters of Notre Dame have, I've been in communication with them and I can contact them. So I've actually contacted them in Africa to speak to them. And, you know, of course, the language difference and even when they speak English, it's hard to understand. But that relationship can maintain. At this day and age, we're able to do things and, and see images immediately of what we're doing. Now, they were going to take a trip here, correct? Yeah, they were uh, going to do that, but that was that fell through, unable right. to do that for some reason. I'm not sure, but okay. <clears throat> so, Randy, uh, you talked about finding that individual that yeah. will eventually kind of take over and shepherd the organization. Yeah, yeah. With no no names or anything, but do you think that person has been found or are you still waiting uh, to... Till, still really praying about it. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm still able to do quite a bit in it. But, you know, one of my faults, and I really pray about it, I don't know how I'm going to change it, but I have a hard, uh, I guess I'm not a very good manager. A manager is someone who has people working for them, you know, and be able to say, hey, would you do this for me? And hey, would you do that for me? You know, obviously, you know, people uh, have, time is valuable and, you know, we're not going to pay you if you're going to like work on our website or, you know, uh, there's, you know, even when I purchase the website, I pay that out of my pocket because I want the full impact of what's given to be in the ministry. So that's my, one of my contributions to Bridges of St. Mark. But, um, so yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm praying uh, how to, you know, hopefully it can evolve into something where I have more collaboration and can spend more time doing it. So I'm, you know, I'm also have to speak with Father Eilerman. Who does he recommend? Is there someone uh, that would like to take something like this on? And uh, again, for myself, it's not a lot of time because I've already built it and we're already being kind of somewhat funded by small donations here and there. But uh, <clears throat> So if the spirit is moving out there and yeah. someone <laughs> is being drawn right to uh, to the organization, they should yeah. probably contact you and, yeah, yeah. and check out the website and so that they know yeah. exactly what is going on. With yeah, them. you could uh, contact me actually at uh, bridgesofstmark at gmail.com. If you want to, and you have to spell it all out. Bridges of St. Mark. Now you just gave your email to thousands and thousands well, of I, listeners out that's there. That's my Bridges of St. Mark email. So that's okay. <laughs> got, it. got it. Awesome. Randy, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to mention? Well, I'm not really sure exactly. I mean, there's a lot of things that we covered today. We're going to have so. you back, Randy. Oh. We're going right. to have to have you back because there's a lot. We just scratched the surface. Um, I know, uh, I just want to say thank you for all you do for our well, parish thank you. here at St. I'm, Mark. I'm honored that you uh, asked me and appreciate yeah. it very much. Uh, one of the, you know, in my life, the things that I do uh, for ministry is uh, up front. I sing, I'm up front. I direct a choir, I'm up front. I facilitate a Bible study, I'm up front. I get people thanking me all the time and I appreciate it. But I also know that there are people that never get thanked. The person mowing the grass, the person cooking the meals, the person taking care of the sick. Give some shout outs, Randy. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, uh, those are the people, you know. So, yeah, I mean, the Lord's got me doing what I'm doing um, and I'm thankful for it because I avail myself to it. But there's a lot of people, honestly, that need to con just keep in mind, you continue doing the Lord's work, you may never be thanked. You may never be recognized. And you have a support team in Canal Winchester that probably <laughs> ranks right up there in yeah. a, a thank you for, yeah. for allowing you to go off and yeah. leave her alone. Oh, yes, my wife. God love her. Gee, me Christmas. I don't know what I would do without her. But, um, you know, uh, it's been just such a beautiful blessing to have someone you love that you're married to. 
<laughs> she's awesome. She's really, really great. And uh, you know, she's had to adjust to myself, you know, uh, just the way I am, I guess. Yeah. And but uh, it's been really good. And I do the best I can to balance everything out, you know, make sure that I'm dealing with the things I need to deal with, family and things like that. So. Well, Randy, we just want to say thank you again for all you do. <laughs> all right. Um, for your time today. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again with you soon. All right. Thanks, Randy. All right. Thanks, God Alan. bless. Thank you all. Bye.